Welcome to the PR Moment podcast. Produced in association with the Marketeers Network. Welcome to this latest PR Moment podcast. And this is our January review of PR pitches and merger and acquisitions in the UK PR scene with Andrew Block. As many of you will know, Andrew is co-founder and non-executive director at Frank PR and is head of PR at the new business consultancy firm AAR. He's also a partner at PCB Partners, where he advises on the buying and selling of marketing services agencies. Before we start, uh, the final entry deadline for the PR Moment Awards is on the 27th of January. Do check out the awards site, prmoments.com, for all the info you need, um, including the download of this year's entry form. And finally, thanks so much to our PR Moment podcast sponsors, the PRCA. Andrew, Happy New Year. Welcome back. Happy New Year to you too, Ben. Uh, so go on, give us your your rundown. Uh, I don't know if it's a top 10 or not. There's quite a bit going on this uh, in the last month or so of, of pitch wins in uh, in the uh, the PR scene. Of course, yeah, it has been a pretty busy end start to the year, which is great. I think it's always quite a busy time as clients look to sort of review their agencies and get their stuff in order for the new year. So no particular order, but here's a few that caught my eye over the festive period. Um, First of all, Premier PR have won the Booker Prize account, um, looking after marketing, events, PR, um, helping inspire people globally to read the world's best fiction and support writers of the future. I think the thing that caught my eye with this one is the tender process began in August. So pretty long process. I think it's indicative of what's going on at the moment. People are taking a little bit longer to make decisions. What do you reckon is the average process time currently for, from from start of pitch to decision god it's a bit how long's a piece of string but putting my finger in the air i'd say probably about six months on yeah. a decent sized bit of business yeah um yeah. If, if they're running a proper process it does take time to uh, and is that that is that as long as it's ever been i think the bit which i see a change and actually from working on the AA, for the aar and sort of sitting on the other side of the table the bit that I never fully appreciated when I was agency side is you kind of think you do the pitch, they're going to make a decision and call you that afternoon. The amount of procrastination and stage twos and follow-ups that go on, that's the bit that can sort of elongate the process by a month, two months sometimes. And actually, it's a real lesson to me that if you're an agency, the time to grit your teeth and not give up and roll your eyes and think, for sake, is once you've done the pitch, that period between the pitch and the decision is so critical. And I think when well, I reflect... From a, from a keeping in touch perspective, you mean? Yeah, and follow-ups and really showing the hunger and the determination. You know, often, you know, I'd get to the finish line on a pitch, put in our best effort and then collapse and just get on to the next one. Yeah. Really, that's the wrong thing to do. You know, that, that period after the pitch is much more important than I ever really realised up until quite recently. Yeah, good point. So back to, I mean, that's right in Premier's sweet spot, that one, isn't it? Book of right Project in Day. Premier's sweet spot, yeah. And then um, sticking close to entertainment, um, Organic, who are a fantastic TV and film PR agency, have picked up the PR for The Apprentice, something that is close to my heart because I've been working with Lord Sugar and the winners of the show since it started. Can you believe it? 17th series started last week. Um so it's a, it's a good account for them. It's always a challenge to 
um, keep a show that's been running for so long in the headlines, but um, we're two weeks into the show. Viewing figures are the best they've been for seven years, so can't put all of that down to their PR, but it certainly helped. So good start for them. Uh, and a shout out because uh, all all account relationships come to an end, right? But the, Taylor Herring have had that account for a long time and have done some sterling work on it. So that I mean, it's it's an agency client relationship to be celebrated. That one, I think, hundred um, percent. You know, I've worked with Taylor Herring since the beginning of the show when it was first brought over to the UK. I've done an absolutely incredible job on it. It's really very big shoes to fill for organics. I did feel for them when I heard they're taking over, but um, so far they're doing a great job. But yeah, Taylor Herring, unbelievable job. Right. Quite sad uh, not to see James Herring at the launch last week. It wasn't quite the same. So. Uh, and Splendid are on a bit of a roll. Yeah, Splendid are doing great, actually. They just won Ginsters, who I'm sure is your pasty of choice. Um, I haven't had a Ginsters for some time, but but maybe that's about to change. Very good. Can highly recommend the steak bake. Um, so actually, Flock as well won a piece of this business. So Splendor picked up the consumer PR, the social media. Flock have picked up the trade PR. Um, looks like they're sort of taking a bit more of a tailored approach and move away from a one-stop shop. They're formerly with one agency. Now they've gone with two. Um, but yeah, as you said, Splendor on a great run. They last year won Burger King. They won... I'm never sure if it's Twinnings or Twinings Tea, um, doing some fantastic work at the moment. And this is a bit of a sort of move away from what seems to be happening. A lot of clients are consolidating their work into one agency. In this case, Ginsters have taken a more sort of separate approach and split out their consumer and their trade. Yeah, I mean, you can. there are benefits in both approaches, aren't there? And that, that, I suspect that will be a debate we'll be having in, in 20 years' time, if, yeah. if we're still on this podcast, Andrew. Um, the yeah. right end, to talk us through that, that's an account I've always scratched my head at a little bit, but um, they, they've, they've, they've moved away. Well, they've got a new agency. They have got a new agency. I mean, they've been working with Hope and Glory since, I think, about 10 years. For a long time. Last 10 yeah. years. And I have to say, Hope and Glory did an absolutely amazing job on it. You're never out of the headlines. Um, which which when you think done... about, I mean, I, I'm, you know, I have no skin in the game. When you think that we are talking about, you know, notes and coins, the fact that that remains newsworthy is fairly spectacular, isn't it? It's a decent effort <laughs> to, to keep that in, in or to keep the media interest going around that. Yeah, I think the work that Hope and Glory was doing for them was sort of quintessential Hope and Glory, great consumer PR. And actually what's happened is they've shifted their brief. And what they want to do is change what people associate the Royal Mint with and for. So, you know, some of the stuff that you might not know, but you will know, hopefully now, thanks to MHP, um, is that they have a great expertise in precious metals. They want to bring forward their British craftsmanship message. They want to talk a lot about sustainability in the precious metals industry to a global audience, particularly like America and the Far East, Japan. Right. Um, actually, well, I, I look forward to hearing about all those precious metals, Andrew. Uh, what, what else has been going on? Yeah, the one thing I just wanted to say on that, which caught my eye with this story, it was a 30 agency pitch. Oh, good. My goodness me. Which is, <laughs> I mean, look, I don't know how much detail they were sort of these 30 agencies went into. You know, I would like to think it was a very, very light touch in the initial stages, but that is a huge amount 
of agencies. Um, and I don't need to tell you that it's probably way too many. But so well done for MHP for coming out top of that. Yeah, I mean, that's not, uh, it, uh, we, we, we don't know the detail. I don't know the details of the process. So so maybe it was just a long list, who knows. But the from the, just from the client's perspective, to try and remember the differences or to try and, you're, you're creating a huge body of work for yourself to try and sift through 30 different agencies, aren't you? Yeah, and I think also, you know, one of the things I'm really conscious of in my role at AAR is not to waste agencies' time. So, you know, sometimes you do have to go out there and spread the net and do quite a broad search, but I would always try and minimise the amount of effort that agencies have to put in to get you to a stage where the client sort of recognises, okay, this is the type of agency that I want. And I'm sure that is what happened. I don't want to criticise a process that I wasn't involved in and don't know the details of. But, yeah, you have to be respectful of agencies' time. And, you know, I'd always say to clients when we're designing a pitch process, it's all about the size of the prize at the end. You know, if you've got a massive multi-million pound brief, you're entitled to do your due diligence and put agencies through their paces. But if you're pitching out a 50 grand one-off event or something, then you shouldn't put the same process in place. And that's, no. you know, that's what I always try and do because I've been on the other side and I know what it's like have to jump through all these well, also, to be fair, agencies are super busy, aren't they? You know, a lot, yeah. a, lot, a, lot a lot, of the best agencies, it's even now, have a capacity problem to an extent, don't they? So if you if you create too big a – the pitch process doesn't look right or, or is, you know, a lot of effort for not very much money, they're probably not going to go for it, are they? Yeah, I think, you know, agencies are definitely, especially it's something I've seen in the last couple of years, being a lot more selective about who and what they pitch for and that's quite right and yeah. that's why if a client wants the best agencies they have to be very respectful in terms of the process that they put in place otherwise they're not going to attract the best agencies out there and agencies won't just go for anything you know they they will be selected because you know it's pretty obvious really but the time you're spending on pitching for new business is time that you're not spending on your existing clients and the easiest way to grow an agency is through organic growth. You can only do that by doing a great job for your clients. So you've got to get that balance right. And we all need new business. You know, it's the lifeblood of any agency is pitching, but it's pitching for the right things. So making sure that process is fit for purpose, respectful um, and informed, I think is actually becoming more and more important. Yeah. Um, Andrew, we are a bit short on time. So I'm going to rattle through these. H&K continue a bit of a resurgence, actually. Yeah, they're on a good run. They just won Hills Pet Nutrition, which is owned by Colgate Palmolive. Big brief, PR, social media, influencer. Again, they were working with several agencies. They've now consolidated it all into Hill & Knowlton, or Hill & Knowlton Strategies, I think they're formerly known as now. Um, Capture PR, one Gala and Foxy Bingo, really fun account, one that I used to work on back in the days. They're owned by Intame, which own Labrooks and Coral and BUIN, Pulchipoca, those kind of brands. So That sounds of- like a fun account. Oh, definitely. I love my time on Foxy Bingo. Um, and then last one, Pray Tell, um, great win for them. They've won Sonus's global PR uh, agency of record. Really, really good. Um, ends a five-year run with Edelman, also MNC and Farner in Switzerland. So they're going to be doing brand product, corporate communications, really big win for them. So very happy for them. 
and the, the the trends that we've seen there, it's one of consolidation, is it? Is that is that the? I know there's a few examples there where we've got a few agencies with a few clients, I should say, with with specialist agencies. But as an overall rule of thumb, the movement is towards consolidation of agencies. I think there's definitely a bit of consolidation. You know, clients finding themselves with lots of different agencies doing, you know, consumer financial trade, social, um, and where possible, I think it's. It's what they're looking for is to consolidate, not necessarily for cost savings, more for efficiency, simplicity. Um, so it does seem to be a little bit of a trend. I think the other trend, which is nothing revelationary, but it's just things taking a little bit longer, that decision-making process taking slightly longer than it, it would have previously. Right. But the market is still buoyant. I've got to say it's the busiest January I can ever remember um, is that right well that's worth talking about because you really wouldn't have thought that would be the case would you with, with what's going on in the wider world I and mean, no. that's with my sort of that's what i it feels busy it really does um and do we know why <laughs> any, any thoughts on why that is well i think any sort of change in economic climate forces change and whether that's consolidating agencies or whether it's shifting your communication messaging it's change is good to you know even if that sort of change is dictated by what's going on in the economy which is not good so there it feels like a lot of clients are just looking at their agency mix looking at how they can do things more effectively more efficiently change things up to be fair january is always a busy time of the year but honestly i've like hit the year hit this year like don't know what day it is at the moment there's so much going on which is exciting good for right. me good and talking for me. about a, a bit going on mo moving on to mna yeah, so we've got, I mean, look, we're only a couple of weeks into the year. We've already had two pretty whopping deals. So we'll start with um, Tolkien, who have just been acquired by Tenio. So for those that don't know, Tenio specialise in C-suite advisory. They own Blue Rubicon, Stockwell, Pendema Communications. Um, Tolkien in the financial space. Um, it's one of the biggest M&A deals in this sector that for the last few years. So Tolkien, absolutely fantastic agency founded by Andrew Grant um, 20 odd years ago, involved in many high profile financial campaigns that you know most people will have read about, heard about. They represented Unilever when Kraft Heinz tried to take them over unsuccessfully. They looked after Comcast's acquisition of Sky, which was that massive 40 billion deal in 2018. So Tenio is going to give Tolkien an international footprint and really consolidate this leader, leading market position. Um, it's all, also going to enable them to offer a broader range of services for clients. Um, I, so, just for anyone out there who doesn't know, Tolkien financial PR specialist, right? Yeah, that's yes. what we're that's what we're saying. Um, yeah. And the, I mean, there was quite an interesting piece in the FT, wasn't there, which gave quite a bit of detail into the into the deal, which we don't normally get. Um, but it was a sort of well, the, the the deal size was quoted at sixty five million. We don't know whether they've got that now or whether that's part of the earnout. Probably the latter. But just talk us through. I suppose the trends around that deal are quite interesting for anyone out there who 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 wants to be a little bit for, for more familiar about how the the, the sort of sale. The, the valuation and the sale process works with for PR firms? Sure. I mean, look, we, we don't know all the details. I think, as you said, it's most likely that it's part of an earn-out structure. So in basic terms, 
and earn out is when you're tied in for a number of years, you normally get an upfront amount somewhere around about the 50% mark of the valuation. And then the balance is paid over the course of normally three to four years and you get rewarded for growing. So if you don't grow in that period, you don't make that much money. If you can increase your EBIT, then you're going to increase the final amount. So the, and it's interesting because the the revenue of Tolkien was around the 23 million, wasn't it? Um, and the the profit was, uh, I think, around 12. So it's it's uh, whenever we talk when I in your work that you do with with mergers and acquisitions, that ratio of profit to um, to, to revenue is always um, the one, the key one when it comes to valuation of a business, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. To, I mean, they're making a lot of money, somewhere around 50% margin, which is way above average for the industry as a whole, but actually pretty high even for financial PR. So they've had big growth. They, they're, um, well, last year, they were doing about 34.5 million in fee income, which was up from 18.5. Their profit was up from 8.5 to over 12. So that is decent. I mean, it's a, obviously a very, very well-run company. And even though financial PR is, is renowned for big money, big fees, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be profitable unless they're well-run as an organisation, which clearly they are. Um so for me, this is a story of scale and Tenio, you know, they, they, they've been busy. They, they're owned by um, CVC. Yeah. Um, I mean, they've done a lot of acquisitions over the last five years or so in London, haven't they? I mean, they're, they're obviously a US-based business, but they've been very active on the acquisition scale in London uh, for, for quite a while now. Yeah, they have. Um, I mean, last year they bought all the restructuring operations of KPMG and Deloitte. Um, and it's not just London. They bought a big sustainable leadership company called um, Societaire in France last year. Um, you know, I think they're doing somewhere around 50 million in revenue. So, you know, effectively they've swallowed up someone who, you know, really was a, a rival to them. So I think what we're seeing certainly in this space is consolidation the importance of scale and size building out global footprint i mean this is deep specialism it's not really them extending their capabilities it's more of the same but it's opening up the opportunity for someone like talking to now expand into different markets to have different sort of strings to their bow yeah, but it's also interesting. We, we we talked a bit about it before. I mean, who knows, right? We can't. We can't. It's a crystal ball thing. But the right time to sell is is an interesting one for any business owner to ponder, isn't it? And on the face of it, um, Andrew Grant's sold at about the right time. Yeah, I think. Look, putting it simply, the right time to sell, depending on the deal, is not when you feel like you've reached your peak. It's when you feel like you've got great growth in you. And I don't know what Tolkien's figures were the prior year and the prior year to that, but the fact they've had such a great year and I'm assuming they're forecasting a great year ahead, that's where the value of a deal really comes through. So you can often make more from the earn-out period than you can from the initial upfront payment, assuming that there's growth 
there. I mean, also in this market, if someone's there and they're ready to buy, you've got to look at a bird in the hand. And we don't have crystal balls, but I think in this crazy world we're in with volatility in terms of what's going on, if you've got someone that feels like a good fit, they're hungry and it feels right, don't keep going and going and going and think yeah. there might be something better around the corner because you just yeah. don't know. And there, there is a stage where you can become too big, where your growth can slow down and flatten, and that's much less exciting in an M&A space, particularly when it's private equity. Um, slightly different with trade because often they're trying to build their capabilities so that they'd like to see growth, but actually it's about expanding their services. So, um, but yeah, the right time to sell is when you've got the right buyer. Um, uh, an interesting one uh, for Penso and Hume Hume Brophy. Just just talk us through that because that there are there are business Hume Brophy that have quietly been growing um, and have a, an amazing client base, don't they? So yeah, it's that's an interesting deal. Yeah, they're an unbelievable company actually. And if I'm being completely honest, I didn't know too much about them until I started reading up about them after this sale, and I was blown away by what they've achieved. Um, they were bought by Penta which is an American-based, they call themselves stakeholder services, and I'll come on to explain what I mean by that. Um, so Hume Brophy was, they're, they're Dublin-based, they've been going since 2005. They're international, and their specialism is investor relations, public affairs, corporate financial, you know, not dissimilar to the work Tolkien's doing. They've got offices everywhere, Brussels, Dublin, Frankfurt, Hong Kong, London, Paris, Singapore. Um, massive clients, Amazon, Bayer, Danone, Deliveroo. Um, so for Penta, what it's going to do is expand their global reach. It's going to consolidate their positions. They position themselves as the world's first stakeholder solutions firm. And what that basically means is Combining well, fair, that, that could mean anything, couldn't it? <laughs> it mean anything. But what it means in their case is combining the PR side of things with deep analytics and research and data. And they've already bought um last year or a couple of years ago media yeah, measurement company. Yeah, they bought Alva back back That's right. back in sort of mid to late last year. Um, which is an, an interesting deal, which is which is basically an, a PR firm doing a um, a, a, supp- a supply chain purchase of a of a of a media and insight business. Which um, you can argue whether that's a, a good idea or not, but it's an interesting way to to to, to structure your organisation, isn't it? It is, and I think look, it's going to give them deep expertise in, in terms of data and stuff like that. I think yeah. with Hume Brophy, which is now going to become Penta Hume. Brophy gives them expansion across the globe, but it also gives them additional expertise, lots of expertise in things like energy, transportation, mobility. Um, so and a, and a whole bunch of clients. And so. a whole bunch of clients. So, yeah, really interesting. I mean, two big deals to start the year off. Um, and it sounds like your, what are your suspicions that are that 2023 could be a pretty decent year for trade sales and PR is, is what you're you're suspecting? I think so. Um, I think the last couple of years we've seen the private equity sort of do a lot of the big deals. They're the ones that have got the cash. But at the moment, it's quite hard to finance debt, which has slowed down a lot of the big players. Some of them finance it out of their own funds. Most PEs prefer to 
borrow to do their deals. Um, and there's a lot of the big trade organisations holding companies that are sitting on piles of cash and need to spend it. You know, they've come through COVID, they've built up their cash reserves, they need to keep their share price high. And one of the ways to do that is through acquisition. And so I think yeah, we're going because, to... Because acquisition with, will bring them growth, won't it, in essence? Correct. Yeah, it's going to bring them growth. And I, I think we're also going to see a continuation of the trend from last year in trade, which is a lot of the sort of mid-market groups or bigger agencies doing deals of their own as they look to expand their service base, their geography, um, and this sort of consolidation trade that was consolidation trend that we're seeing with 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 clients and agencies, you know, will reflect in terms of what agencies need to do to future proof themselves and be able to win these sort of accounts, to win big accounts that have lots of different elements to them you need to have the capabilities to be able to service that otherwise you're out the picture so brilliant. i think andrew, it's going to be a quiet year brilliant. andrew thank you so much i'm gonna let you go because i can tell your voice is starting to struggle but um, yeah, apologies um, for a bit of coughing i'll see you next month lovely look forward to it then thanks for listening to the pr moment podcast produced in association with the marketeers network If you'd enjoyed the show, please do review us on iTunes and give us a decent rating.